Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Please give us ears that are quick to listen and hearts that will believe and obey for Jesus' sake. Amen. If you want to open your Bibles to page 970, that'd be immensely helpful. And I want to begin tonight by telling you about two men. They're real men, but I'm never going to give you their names. The first man prided himself on being a great and loving husband. One day, when his wife got upset, he bought his wife flowers. Right. That sounds good. But when her friend said, you've got such a husband, she pointed out to them that her husband only bought her flowers when they were about to have guests. The implication of that? He did what he did to be seen by others. Another posted on Facebook a lovely photo and message to his wife once a year on their anniversary. I love you, darling. Only problem was, his wife wasn't on Facebook. She just heard about it from others who were. But she heard it, and every year it started to grate. Why? Again, the implication is, he did what he did to be seen by others. Both claimed to love their wives. Both did a good thing. But they were obviously showing off, which is never a pretty thing. And Jesus confronts us with a similar picture of doing things for others to see tonight. And we're going to look at something that is a really good thing, fasting. But these people, when they fasted, they weren't doing it to focus on God. They were doing it to be seen and no doubt admired by those who've seen them doing it. Now, if you look at chapters, verses 16 to 18, you'll see uh, tonight. But as you look down there, I want you just to turn to verse 1 of chapter 6 of Matthew's Gospel. He says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Jesus has given us a general principle here. He's saying, look, these things that he's going to teach on, they're to be done between you and God privately, not for others to see them. And he gives us three examples. Three examples how we might do our acts of righteousness before people. The first one is in verses 2 to 4. It's giving. It's giving. I, I remember in a parish, there was a riot when uh, I, I changed everybody's name to a number. The vestry told me, they'll not give because they won't see who else is given. And I said, well, look, they're not given now. They'll not be given then. We do, don't we? We do that. We show off in that. 
The second example is prayer. Look at verses 5 and 6. And there's where I want to focus tonight is in verses 16 to 18. In fasting, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. Tell you the truth, they receive the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil in your head and wash your face so that it will be not be obvious to men you're fasting, but only your father who's unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So let me begin by making the clear point that Jesus is making is do not practice your righteousness before other people to be seen by them. If we do, God isn't impressed. We will get a reward. Yes, people will might say, oh, look at them. They're very, very holy. Look at them. They're really good. That won't last very long either. And that mean, doesn't mean we can't do these things with other people. No, that's not what Jesus said. It's, our, it's that our motive should not be self-seeking attention. That's quite a challenge, because humanly speaking, we love the attention to be upon ourselves. But Jesus tells us, beware. It's a serious warning. And it's a lifelong battle to fight this. Not something that one day we'll just say, yep, I've got that one sauce, tick, move on. It's something we need to be aware of over and over again. I hope it's really clear that Jesus' main point here is to warn us about the wrong motives we can have when we give and pray and fast. However, it is a good thing to think about fasting. Jesus takes it for granted that his disciples fasted and knew about fasting. That's probably not so true about us. And so we need to slow down and learn from what Jesus says here about fasting. Before we do that, let me say there's a lot written about fasting by nutritionalists and within the sporting world. and Increasing numbers of people are, are building into their regular routines. I've told, been told about this fast that you know, you, you, you eat your lunch and then, or, or you eat your breakfast and then you don't eat till about eight o'clock. And, and then you're able to fast all the way through, make sure there's eight hours between all these different meals that you eat. And there are health benefits. But look, the benefit that we want is in our relationship with Christ. And my guess is that for many Christians today, fasting is er- Ever, hardly ever talked about. I don't, as I said, I can't remember a sermon on fasting, and I'm 48. And so it's hardly ever practiced. And I know that's not been the case throughout the world. If you were to go to places like Nigeria, it would be something that Christians do. And actually, in our church, in the, in the Anglican world, there's even one of the homilies that were written in 1571 about fasting. So for us in the Anglican church, it's something we should do. And that got me thinking about fasting. I realized that I have received very little encouragement, very little teaching about this discipline. And I know I'm not alone. And perhaps the reason for that is because in the New Testament, including in our passage this evening, it's not a direct command to fast. True, Jesus does say, when you fast, as he said in verse 2, when you give to the needy, in verse 5, when you pray, that's not the same as you should fast. And when you do, 
then do this. So fasting is a little bit different than the first two examples where we can go to the New Testament and find lots of teaching. So look, this is an area where Christians have freedom. But as we put all the stuff that we are learning about fasting in this passage and the warnings, we, we, we need to think actually, it's something we've missed out on. Because Jesus says, when you fast. And on the lips of Jesus, that's, that's a very strong phrase. He talks about fasting again in Matthew chapter 9. Keep a finger in Matthew 6 and just flick it over there to Matthew 9, verses 14 to 17. It says, Then the disciples of John came and asked him, How is it your disciple, that, that we and the disciples, or the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Here we see that fasting was a common practice among Jews and the, the, John, the disciples of John the Baptist. They find it shocking that Jesus' disciples don't fast. Jesus says to them, verse 15, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. He says there, there's something special about the time when Jesus was with his disciples that meant that it was inappropriate to fast. He links fasting to mourning, which is itself quite interesting. So fasting while Jesus was with them was just as inappropriate as behaving at a wedding as if you would behave at a funeral. But he goes on to say that days will come when the bridegroom is taken away and then they will fast. And again, it's described as not commanded. But it's hard to escape the assumption that Jesus makes here that those living in the days between his first coming and his second coming will fast. And those who are living between the first coming and the second coming are us. So to recap, we must not give, pray, fast to show off. We're not commanded to fast, but there's a strong assumption by Jesus that his disciples will just as they live generous lives and prayerful lives. Jesus clearly expected his followers, like you and me, to fast. And so it's odd that this, that this is not a widespread habit. So what is fasting? Now, can I say, I do want to, to helpfully define fasting, to explain what it is and what it's not. But more than that, I would love to begin to paint a picture for you to see that fasting can be a wonderful thing to add to our lives as disciples of Christ. Fasting is deliberately going without food to focus upon God. It is not just eating less or saying during Lent, I'm going to give up chocolate. It's not that. It is... If you, you know, if you're kind of thinking it's just getting rid of chocolate, well, it's kind of like a, a spiritual weight loss program. That's not fasting. That's called dieting, which you can do anytime. The purpose of fasting is not to get this hefty lump of lard in the pulpit slimmed down to a proper size where my BMI is under 25. We're getting my cholesterol under control. It's not that. 
We fast intentionally to focus on God in the middle of a busy and distracted life. So if you fast in order to spend more time with your family or just to ease your conscience, you're missing the point. We fast to focus on God. Fasting isn't either trying to impress God. We cannot do that by ourselves. The only way God is impressed is in his son, Jesus Christ, whom he loves. It's not even to twist God's arm to give us what we want in prayer. As if we're kind of like a, dare I say it, a kind of prisoner in the maze and, and we're on hunger strike until the government does what we tell them to do. Well, then why do we fast? Well, Jim Packer, he says, in Scripture we see several purposes for fasting. It's a way of sharing that we depend on God alone and draw all our strength and all our resources from him. It's a way of focusing totally on him when we're seeking his guidance and help, of showing that we're really earnest in our, request, in our quest. It's also at times an expression of sorrow and deep repentance, something that a person or community will do in order to acknowledge failure before God and seek his mercy. The point of fasting is not to simply free up time for Bible reading and prayer. It might help with that. But if you have a family to feed and eat your lunch on the go anyway, then it may not. In fact, it may mean that you're too weak properly to focus on study and prayer. The point of fasting is to be hungry. To get us to a place where we acutely feel our need for food. Now why on earth would you want to do that? How can that be of any spiritual benefit? Well, hunger confronts us with the reality that we are mortal and that we depend on God for life and what we need to live. It shows us that we are the created and not the creator, that we are not God. It humbles us. It helps us to approach the throne of grace in an appropriate frame of mind, heart, and soul. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, it doesn't take too long without food for me to feel hungry, tired, irritable, and weak. See, we are often tempted to think that we can muster up our own strengths. But fasting is meant to expose our weaknesses, our vulnerability our impotence before our God. It's meant to throw us, to be more reliant upon him. It does that because we're human. See, without food, we die. That's why giving up TV or social media or chocolate doesn't really have the same effect. However important those things, we might feel those things are, it isn't life-threatening to go without them. To go without food, however, means giving up something we cannot do without and as those pains, those hunger pains start hitting our stomach and we start getting tired, we realize we need God. It can also help us to focus on God, our creator, instead of the good gifts he's created for us. Food is a good God-given gift and given for our joint, but like so many other gifts that God gives us, there's a danger we focus on the gift and not the giver. Fasting helps us focus on God and honor him as the giver of life, and that's a good thing. And fasting exposes what's really going on in our hearts and how much we need a saviour. 
So imagine you're fasting. Maybe, maybe even an hour or so. You're fasting. And you're hungry. If you're anything like me, that ends up with you being impatient and irritable. Maybe you blow up in your anger at some time. Why? It's because you haven't eaten. But is that really the reason you blew up in anger? What is it about hunger that makes us like that? Did Jesus get angry when he fasted? See, hunger brings out what we're truly like. Jesus was wholly righteous and righteous, and so he didn't sin even in the midst of life-threatening hunger. We sin because we are sinful, not because we're hungry. We behave like that because that is what we are really like. A good meal helps us hide those attitudes from others, even from ourselves. But fasting and the hunger it brings exposes the reality of our hearts. We are sinners and we need God's grace. Now one final practical thing to bear in mind. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18, Jesus says, When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Now, to anoint your head means to put oil on it. Now, I would suggest if you're going to fast, don't do that. Not because I want to contradict my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the point Jesus was making was this. He was saying, wash your face and put oil on on your head, uh, on your face to make you look normal. But putting oil on your head may have been normal back in Jesus' day. But as far as I'm aware, it's not normal now. And so here's the thing. If you're fasting, just wash your face. Maybe give it a wee tap. Get a wee bit of rosiness around it a wee bit. Now we need to finish. But it would seem really, really good to me that in a time where we approach the cross of Christ. In this journey of these next 46 days, called Lent, not there's 40 days of Lent, there's 46 days in Lent. That's why Sunday's a, is a great celebration day. But it'll be something that we take upon ourselves to maybe regularly go without a meal. Now, if you have a medical condition, don't do that. But to set aside time to feel that hunger. To set aside a time that we would feel our need of God. So let me close with a quote and a challenge. From a book called God's Chosen Fast by a man called Arthur Wallace. He says, In giving us the privilege of fasting as well as praying, God has added a powerful weapon to our spiritual armory. In our folly and ignorance, the church has largely looked upon it as something obsolete. She's thrown it down some dark corner to rust, and there it has lain forgotten for centuries. This Lent. Again, if, if you have a medical condition, don't, don't do this. But if you don't, why not set aside a time to fast? Not to show off to others. Do it to grow in your relationship with the Lord. 
Do it to see how desperately you need Christ. Because Christian fasting is not mainly about what we go without. It's got to do with who we want more of. Let me repeat that. Christian fasting is not mainly about what we go without, but who we want more of. In this land, I want more of Christ. I want more of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that we wouldn't practice our righteousness before men to be seen by them, but Lord, we would want to serve you in all righteousness to bring glory to you. We pray that we would take up this great discipline of fasting so that, Lord, we would learn it's not what we go without, but that we want more of Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.